What is going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me as always is my podcasting partner, Paul. There's only two things I hate in the world. People who are intolerant of other people's cultures, and the Dutch. And welcome to this episode of Fanning the Flames, your one and only Phoenix Suns podcast that is made for the fans. That is you guys, by the fans, that is us. Yes, sir. As always, intro and outro music provided by Oceans Over Airplanes. Go check them out over at OceansOverAirplanes.com. And as always, I'm going to say this right off the bat. As always. Because I always forget. So it's really not as always. It's for this one time I'm actually going to say it because I always forget. But if you listen on iTunes, hop on iTunes, rate, review, and we may, if we're so inclined, read your review in the next episode. And I saw that since last episode, we did get some additional ratings. But review, people. Review. Give us the words. Give us the words, and we'll give you Clickety the words. Clickety clack. It's, it's, it's a win-win for everybody. Just do it. My gosh. What is wrong with you? You promote us. We promote you. You scratch our back. We scratch yours. Win-win, like I said. All right. So... That was loud. That was loud. I hope I didn't wake up any of your family. But if I did... Blow out an eardrum of somebody who's... We'll we'll be all right. It's fine. So, uh, been away for a couple weeks. Again, it's the summer. So, we like to take vacations and do fun stuff. So, we hop in every now and then and say hello and uh, give you our thoughts on the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Like we said last episode and we posted on Twitter... This is going to be a mailbag edition, and we have some fantastic questions. We appreciate you all who added and left questions. We will get to presumably all of them. We'll see. I mean, maybe we'll run out of time. Probably not, because we just keep going and going and going. We're like the Energizer Bunny. There's no time limit to these, No time limit to these. We don't have to get into the next podcast. (laughs) I don't have anywhere to go or anything to do. That's my life. So I will say, though, to start off— Or family. Both of those, which is brand why, new dog. Both of those, which is why we do this, because we stay away from them. I see dead people. I think my wife doesn't listen to this. Okay, she Sun- does download, so we get the. She point. does right. That's all that matters. So okay, Sun schedule was released. I just want to make one brief comment on the Sun schedule because it was released like a week ago. So it's not like this is new news, brand new news. But uh, the Suns do have an opening night game on ESPN against the Mavs. And this is the first time in a decade. In a decade. Decade. According to my research, and it could be wrong, but nobody Sounds about right. Nobody's called me out on it, so I'm assuming it's right. But first time in a decade since the beginning of the 08-09 season that the Suns have an opening night game on national TV. And I think that just goes to show there's some excitement around this team. I mean, we've got the Donchick Aiton thing between the Mavs and the Suns. We've got Booker's uh, Ascension. Booker's Ascension. We've got the young core. And I think we're, we're, we're starting to see some excitement around this team. And it shows in how much respect Booker's getting from the guys in the league who are the guys in the league right now. We, right. we saw that in some of the Vegas stuff that happened uh, a couple weeks back. But I, I just think it's awesome that the Suns are going to start off the season on national TV again for the first time since 2008. A team, by the way, that featured the likes of mm, a certain Steve Nash, Amare, with an apostrophe. Did he? Wh- wh- where was the apostrophe in his name at that point? It was everywhere. Was it apostrophe or was it an accent? Because I know that switched no, sometimes. <laughs> I, I think at that time it was an apostrophe. And then it went away. Um, and and of course a we just like this team, there was a shack on the team, just a different shack, a very different sized shack, much different sized <laughs> shack. So, anyway, kudos to the Suns. I think it's it's 
perfect time for the Phoenix Suns fans out there to be excited. I know I'm excited. I haven't been this excited about a season in a very long time. And this is against the whole podcast of optimism thing, but let's hope it doesn't come crashing down really quickly. That's all. <laughs> yeah, it's been nice. It's been nice to see um, just that even in, from a national media perspective, it's turning even ever so slightly to we're not a complete dumpster fire anymore, which is nice to see. I mean, we're getting we're getting pub. I mean, I know it is the middle of August and they got to talk about something, but. We're still getting article. We're getting articles written about Aiton, about Jackson, about uh, Booker. Obviously, they're still all very, to an extent, um, wishy-washy. Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody's as excited about them as Suns fans are. And for whatever reason, everybody still questions if Booker is just a good stats, bad team guy. But we'll leave that to Chris Hansen. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's Chris Hansen's lot in life. He has he has definitely um, taken that charge and run with it. <laughs> right, and, and and you know there, there is excitement, but let's not get, get ahead of ourselves because it's still Vegas still has them at twenty seven and a half. Is it twenty six and a half? Somewhere in there. Either Somewhere way, in there. second, third lowest in the league. But we have direction. We have light at the end of the tunnel. We have whatever other positive type of saying you want to put in there so beautiful love it beautiful beautiful um and plus kevin durant's coming here next summer oh right, yeah paul? Yep. i mean i i i will point this out paul i'll be i'll be forced to do so he was early and he was the first one that came out and said it as far as i'm concerned and it's now actually been said by other people on twitter maybe with as much seriousness as you said it which is pretty much nil but hey you know what Hope springs eternal. Am I right, my friend? It's all we got. It's all we got. All right. Mailbag? Mailbag. Mailbag. You've got mail. Oh, look at you. Bing! Look, <laughs> showing your age there with the whole AOL thing. <laughs> I like it. Bunch of people listening to it. What the hell is What is that? Why what? did you make a 3D print of the save icon? What is, what is happening <laughs> right now? All right. Anyone 3D print of the save icon? That took me a second. <laughs> All right, first question. I'm going to throw this one to you, Paul. I don't know why, but... Uh-oh. Yeah. From at Dave King, NBA. <laughs> How much do you guys envy the talents of the cool guy that runs at Brightside Sun? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing? No snarky response? I have to try. I'm not doing this with S, but... <laughs> no, you're not. Um... There is, there's some there. I, I definitely envy. Are you really answering this seriously right now? Yes, I, I like Dave. Dave, Dave's, Dave's a good dude. He's our, he's our buddy. He gave us this shot, and he's let us continue. So I don't know why. I envy his talent acquisition. <laughs> there, you go. there, answer's done. Perfect. That's all we need to say about that. Uh, and I also love you, Dave. Just for the record. Uh, okay, next one. I'll answer this one from at Espo. My mailbag question. Why are you stealing our our bit? Hashtag snark. Espo, like I said, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. We just love you so much. We stole your rate and review us on iTunes bit. We're going to steal this bit too. You guys keep doing such a good job. We'll just maybe just actually verbatim repeat your podcast one day. Oh, that's a great idea. We, we should, should totally do that. We should steal their logo and just like switch out our faces. Oh, I love this. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for the great idea, Espo. All right. Now, 
We'll get into. We'll need to get a third member, or one of us can do two voices. Hmm. <laughs> We're gonna have to think about that one because those both sound enticing. <laughs> um. All right. We'll get into the serious questions now. That was that was enjoyable nah. and all. I'm sure people are like, "What the fuck? <laughs> what the heck is going on?" We have that whole clean clean podcast thing on iTunes. Yeah. Do we? Yeah. We don't listen to it. I know it's fine. All right. Uh, at Radio Tim NBA. So, so far, we've got all the, <laughs> the, all the solar, panel, solar guys. panel. Hey, appreciate it, guys. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll be better about giving you guys questions. <laughs> Paul can do that. I probably won't. So, uh, Tim says, if Mikhail Bridges peaks, does that make Josh Jackson expendable? Paul, no. Why? Um, because worst case scenario, he's he's a utility guy off the bench. He could be. His skill set could transition to be something similar to what Lamar Odom was back in those that second round of Kobe championships, not as a power forward, pre, but from pre Kardashian, pre Kardashian, yeah. Um, where he's you know because he's he's not the biggest scorer in the world, but he's also good at re- good at rebounding, good at distributing, able to kind of just kind of make everything flow. And I think that that's what we drafted. Jack, that was the potential of Jackson to do that. So being able to do that just at the small forward instead of the power forward position, I think would work well. So I don't think it makes Jackson expendable. I mean, so that's about where I want to stand on that because I don't want to get too far ahead of things. That's all I have to say about that. Is that what you're saying? For the moment. Okay. Um, you're wasting I, I, my, my intro quotes. I would... <laughs> well, sorry. Dude, it's been two years. If you haven't used it yet, then I, it's, free, it for it's free occasion. game. So I don't know what that special occasion would be. Our last podcast. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's that's, that's a podcast of optimism, Paul. Come on, don't say things like that. All right, um, I, I I don't when think, we're seventy five. I, I don't think so either. Um, well, you can retire at seventy five from podcasting. Come on, I don't think so either. Uh, I think what it would do is make T.J. Warren expendable, though. Was yes. that getting into what you were going to get into? Did I just? Yeah, say that? I, I thought like one of our other questions kind of. Discussed. Don't think so far far ahead. Okay, we, we fly by the seat of our pants. Good point, on, but right? yeah, Don't that was that was it. But I mean, we've talked about Warren being expendable for right. ever. ever. <laughs> we're, we're, remember, we're not the think far ahead and come up with good statistics and all that kind of stuff. Podcast. We're we're, we're going to say a bunch of shit, statistics. and that's what we do. That's <laughs> not not that's what earn that clean table. label. Deal with it. <laughs> Deal with it. Um, but no, I, I I don't think it makes Josh Jackson expendable because. Look what Josh Jackson did second half of last season. He did what we expected him to do at the fir- during the first half of the, the, right. the, his rookie season, and I think he's going to grow. Now, he had a horrendous summer league, but we talked about this in our unpublished podcast, if you will. Uh, we'll, call it, we'll call it, it's like a secret track, you know? Maybe someday it'll get leaked, <laughs> who knows? But um, he, had a, he had a bad it's summer a league. But at the same time, it's because he was doing the same thing that he was doing the first half of the season, and that is trying to do too much. Right. Josh Jackson doesn't need to be the number one guy on this team. He doesn't need to be the number two guy on this team. He, at best, can be the number three guy on this team. But even then, that means he's going to do what... And I don't want to... I don't, I'm not going to say I hate to use the analogy because I don't really mind the analogy, but like what Sean Marion did for right. his sons back in the day. He brought energy. He... Didn't was have a, a lot of stuff he was a scorer that didn't need exactly didn't need plays run for him, but was incredibly efficient. And I think that Jackson is going to continue to grow. Um, and ultimately, you look at 
TJ and you look at Josh Jackson and I think Josh Jackson still has the potential to be a decent enough three-point shooter in the league. I've been saying this since before he got drafted by the Suns. I'm not worried about his shot. Okay, Jason Kidd it. can become a three-point right, shooter. exactly. And I'll be interested to see what Jackson does this year, but I think regardless of what Mikhail Bridges does, I don't see Jackson going anywhere. And you have to keep in mind, too, I mean, what what are you going to really gain from not having Jackson on this team? He's on a rookie deal, obviously. It's not like he's making a ton of money. But if you have the opportunity to move somebody because Mikhail Bridges meets his peak or performs just as well as Jackson or Warren through his rookie year, at least at least comparably speaking, then I think the easy answer is that Warren is the one that would become expendable. Now, is he going to get moved? Who knows? Right. But ultimately, again, that would be the, the preferred situation because we're just then presumably going to perhaps be freeing up some extra space next season for KD. To play devil's advocate real quick. Please do. So I could see Jackson becoming expendable in this scenario where Bridges earns his, earns a starting spot and wow. reaches his potential. And whatever that is. As a 3 and D guy, well, because mm-hmm. I, I think he would fit best into the rotation as a 3 and D guy, sure. which can make the argument that maybe he's better to start over Jackson because that balances Booker. But I think Jackson, as it, as it is, balances against Booker pretty well. They do different things, but they balance against Booker. But let's say Mikhail Bridges exceeds expectations, reaches his ceiling. The question, well, first question is, what, do you, what would you think Mikhail Bridges' ceiling is? Because, I mean... When we came in, when Booker was drafted, his ceiling was Clay Thompson without defense, and now he's baby James Harden. That was not even in the remote possibility of what people thought he mm-hmm. could be. Mm-hmm. So, is, could Mikhail Bridges be another situation of a guy who was in a system, came to the league, was able to do a little bit more, step out of his um, the wheelhouse that he the uh, pet the round hole that he was put into in college, and now can become more than that right and i think you have to look at it from this perspective too when it comes to bridges remember he's not a young rookie right so we know we because of that he's going to have a higher floor right but i think the ceiling is going to be lower because he's more developed than jackson was when he came in as a rookie obviously because he has more more seasoning underneath his belt Mm -hmm. um but just to come back to go on Um, Where I can see Jackson becoming the expendable one is if Jackson also improves, but Mikhail Bridges improves more, and we're looking at a blockbuster trade, Jackson could then become the centerpiece of that, where I don't think any of our other pieces would be a centerpiece, where we need to, okay, we need to give up Jackson because we're going to get Damian Lillard, or we're going to get, you know, whoever. That's a situation where, whereas they're not going to want Warren as a centerpiece, Mm -hmm. and our picks may not be good enough. Fingers crossed. This is... <laughs> I got you. That was, for, for the record, since this is an audio interface here, I, I meant to do Paul, Paul did fingers crossed, but took his two pointer fingers and made a cross with them. So like, I guess it's like, I guess it's technically a cross. But it's not right. Jesus Christ, man. What is wrong? Are you drunk? What is wrong with you? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like you're just about to admit something there. I don't no. want to hear it. So anyway, go on. Where but so from that standpoint, looking at the assets we have on the table, if we had to build a trade 
for a legitimate like franchise changing player type of trade like you know top 15 20 player in the league kind of guy I can see Jackson becoming more of the centerpiece of that trade sure. assuming he improves but with the with the idea that Bridges improve more and they're like oh we don't want to give up Bridges but Jackson's available now right because our other pieces we can't well I think that you know as as long as Jackson doesn't regress I see the point you're making here I think if that kind of trade was going to happen it would still have to be Jackson because he's still no matter what I think you're going to look at him or other teams are going to look at him and say based on the guys that are perceivably attainable from the Suns because obviously Booker's not there and Aiton's not there right Jackson is the one that has the highest ceiling still just based on right his athleticism and the potential that's there so even if he doesn't make leaps and bounds as long as he doesn't step back then I, I can see where you're where you're coming from with that I guess the question is if we're talking about when Mikhail Bridges peaks are we talking about this year I mean yeah that, that, that's the thing I'm like I can't see it happening this year like him reach him reaching his ceiling I'm like you're looking two three four years down the road probably before you realize what that is I don't know about that long but well, I mean, two, probably two, okay, maybe two, three two, years. Yeah, I wouldn't go to three to four. Maybe, maybe, maybe three maybe years we'll have an idea of like, oh, he he could be a lot more than what we thought he was going to be. Right. Kind of, okay. but that's a that's a discussion for the future. Mm-hmm. When we actually see them on a court together. Yeah, I yes, I agree. But at the same time, we're also looking at a league right now where like all anybody wants to do is collect six, seven wings. Right. So like the more wings you have, the better because... And, and we've got a good trio right now. Yeah. Or quadro. Yeah. <laughs> quadro? We'll go with that. All right. Should we move on to the next one? Sure. Okay. Next, we've got our boy Boyd. I just like saying boy Boyd. Uh, Boyd. At, at, at Boods, 8-3. Down under. Down under. Uh, and these are all off Twitter, just in case anybody's wondering. I don't know why you would be, but I think it's pretty obvious. Uh and sticking with the whole Mikhail Bridges, Josh Jackson, TJ Warren thing, what if Mikhail Bridges forces his way into the starting lineup early and eclipses both Josh Jackson and TJ Warren? Do you think Phoenix considers moving Jackson over Warren before the deadline? We were going right into the... I see what you were doing there. Because mm-hmm. I, I knew that was coming. <laughs> so, hey, Boyd, appreciate the question, but we already delved into it, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. See, but the whole fly by the seat of my pants thing, right there. Very, and we even kind very, of put these in an order. And we you did. Just kind of forgot we I had even to care. Yeah. I, I I don't listen to rules, Paul. Okay, so yes, You're we a do trailblazer. Think, we do think like that Damian Lillard, perhaps Jackson could be moved over Warren. But oh, but Boyd actually, he does say before the deadline, so he's before talking this dead. season. I don't see it happening this season. I just don't. And I don't see Mikhail Bridges eclipsing both of those guys before the trade deadline, before February. Not before February, no. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only thing I could see happening would be if one, if both of them got injured. Why would you say stuff like that? Don't go knock on wood right now. Do it. Thank you. Jesus Christ. Go wash man. your mouth out with soap. I'm going to kick you out of this podcast. <laughs> Just do it by myself now. Um, Excuse me, you'll still come over my house to do it. Yeah, well, I'll be. Well, I'm. I'm talking about right, like right now. Like you're done, and I'm just gonna keep going. You can sit there in silence. I'm, I'm we'll playing your my mic. New puppy. Oh, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I. That's that's such a short time frame. You can't make a judgment call. And I mean, if you think about it, what if the Suns made that judgment call on Josh Jackson by the trade deadline? Right. You know? 
he would have had okay he would have had a month of decent play under his belt but he would have still had two and a half months of very very subpar play under his belt so you can't really sit there and go okay by February we're going to say and Jackson really didn't even become like start to play really play well until after the trade deadline so I mean I can't I can't see anything happening at that spot because of Mikhail Bridges right. this season. At least not with Jackson. I could I could see Mikhail Bridges playing well enough that the Suns say, okay, we're more comfortable moving TJ Warren. Right. I can see that. Because you look at Warren. Warren is kind of like Bridges to an extent, except obviously older, in that we know what we have in Warren. Yeah. I don't think Warren... I'll knock on wood too. Maybe he will, but I don't think Warren is suddenly going to develop an outside shot or the ability to pass, or the ability to pass. Two two moderately important things in today's NBA. All right, next one, Paul. Sure. All right, this one again off of Twitter from at S L O Bob Bub. Excuse me, S L O Bub with two B's at the end. I'm assuming S L O is San Luis Obispo, perhaps. Salt Lake Orthodox. <laughs> wow. You need to stop. You need to stop right now. Um, well, well, if it is, then I hope you're enjoying lovely San Luis Obispo. His question is, do you see Jackson developing into a point forward at all? And could this lower the need to add a point guard? And there's a second part to the question, but we'll delve into the first part first. All right. You're looking at me. You want me to go? Yep. I think we all know what I'm going to say about Josh Jackson. Yes, he absolutely can develop into that type of point forward that we're expecting. Now, I don't know that having him, though, as a point forward necessarily means we don't need a point guard. No. But at the same time, I have, and I was saying this before we started recording, a few weeks back I said I've relegated myself to the fact that Brandon Knight is going to be the starting point guard. The Suns' point guard position, as it stands right now, is going to be what it's going to be going into the season. Right. But I've now changed that position only in regard to I'm not relegating myself to it. I'm I'm embracing it. You know what? Podcast of optimism. Podcast of optimism. And we look at, we said it before. I'm going to say it again. If we get any any resemblance of Milwaukee, Milwaukee, Brandon Knight, then that is obviously an upgrade over what we had last year. And that's a solid player to have. Now, is that ideal in the situation the Suns have based on their lineup or their 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 uh, roster? No, not necessarily. Because at the end of the day, he's still going to be more of a score first point guard. That's not necessarily a great distributor, mm-hmm. but again, still better than what we had last year. So, right. But if you have Booker and you have Jackson, who are both who both have shown potential to be moderate distributors as well, mm-hmm. you kind of. Spread that out a little bit more. Yeah, and I think that if if Jackson does ultimately get to that point forward type of level that we're looking at, and again, we're assuming we're talking this season, then I I, I think it does alleviate the need to some extent. But in the long run, if we're going to become a team that's going to be competing in this Western Conference, we're going to need a point guard that is, I don't want to say a... You know, your classic point guard of this... I mean, I would love to get a Steve Nash in, but that type of guard is becoming less and less frequent, less and less seen in the league just because of the way the league is going. But you still need somebody that can be an elite ball handler and or an elite distributor. Right. Um, 
or at least a, a solid one of those two things. And until we get that, I think we're still looking at a situation where we're going to kind of middle in the West. Uh, and I'm I'm very high on Eliakovo. I am. Uh, he came out like gangbusters in summer league in his first game. Fell and back to earth a little fell bit. Off, fell off a little bit, but again, we're talking about a young kid who's just coming to America to play basketball and is going to have to adjust for a while. And we talked about it after he was drafted, the comparisons with other NBA point guards who played in that same league over in France are are very favorable. So I am right. Plus perfectly he, he fine. only just started playing point guard like in the last year or two. He was a shooting guard before that. He kind of pulled a conversion kind of like Steph did when he went back to Davidson that second year to really learn how to be a point guard. So there's some there's a level of development and like instinct that he's still kind of working through. Right. I I didn't even know that, but that makes perfect sense. So You didn't read that article I sent you? I, or at least not all of it. Didn't get to that clearly point. Clearly I did not read all of it. I'm more of a skimmer. <laughs> admittedly so, which which maybe as a lawyer isn't the best thing, but <laughs> Anyway, uh, Paul, do you have any other thoughts on that particular question, though? I mean, in terms of Josh Jackson developing into that point forward that the Suns I mean, are I think, for? I think I kind of spoke to it a little bit before from the standpoint of I could see him becoming that kind of Lamar Odom role, which was kind of that to an extent of, you know, he's kind of the guy who gets the offense moving. He's the guy who keeps it flowing. But, I mean, even when you look at most of the NBA, outside of a very small group of players, the idea of a point forward – is still a guy who only gets like it's more of just here's a forward who has above average assists for the position outside of like LeBron or Ben Simmons and that's like really it right and and and, and a guy that has solid ball handling capabilities point for that position point Stoudemire point center I don't remember that that was a thing hmm. he, he talked about it coming into a season it didn't happen and I'm sure there's a very good reason for that. Uh, kind of like Point Bender, which I think lasted like one half of a summer league game last year. One half of one play of a summer league game? Perhaps, perhaps. Uh, so the second part of that question then, if the Suns do add a point guard, what are your thoughts on DeLon Wright in Toronto? He seems solid and attainable. Um, I'm going to be honest. I didn't really follow the Raptors this past season. So I don't know much about Dylan Wright. You didn't follow the Raptors? I mean, only only very peripherally. And the the only thing I can really speak to on DeLon Wright is really just the idea that he was on the Raptors bench and the Raptors bench was lauded this season to be as being very, very good. So there's definitely potential there of like guys who like playing above their weight and have an opportunity to kind of come in and do more. Mm-hmm. And his stats have considerably improved every year, even as his minutes have increased. So that those things are positives. I don't see it as a bad move, but I don't know if he's a start potential starter in the league. He looks more like he's a backup. And just from, from that standpoint, we don't need a backup. We have five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... I'm with you. I didn't. I didn't pay attention to the Raptors. The extent of I've got a buddy that lives in Canada, and the extent of my my Raptors coverage is him texting me every now and then, going, "Did you see the end of that Raptors game?" and me responding, "No," and that's it. Um, but I did look into Delon Wright a little bit in light of the question, and I, I I tend to agree with you. I mean, I look at it from this perspective: if 
the Suns were to bring in DeLon Wright, is that worth pushing somebody like Eliakovo down the bench? Because if it's not, then why why bother? And if it is not also, and he's just going to slide behind Eliakovo, like what's the point? Why about yeah? Uh, I just I and and you know. SLO Bub, maybe maybe you have further insight into Lawn Wright and maybe paid more attention to him and maybe we're missing something with it, but it just seems like a, a lateral move and it doesn't really seem like it's going to do much to improve the team. And and that's we don't need lateral moves right now. Yeah. You know, we've been tanking for the past three years and we've been crappy for the past eight. Uh, if if anything's going to happen in terms of making a move to to get a point guard, then it's it's going to have to be something with a player that's going to slide into a starting position and is going to actively improve the team. And again, maybe maybe DeLon Wright can do that. I just don't see it based on what I've seen of him in limited uh, uh, highlights I've watched and in limited review of statistics. So, not very scientific, but we'll call it a call it more of a, a gut feel. Going with your gut. Going with the gut. Following a hunch. Any anything else? Nope. No. Okay. I meant like any more little quips like you just know. Quip. You quip, good? Quipperoo. You, you good? That's why it's a quip, and not a slope. <laughs> what movie is that from? I don't know. I don't know if I've seen that one. Huh. I'll, I'll figure it out. You answer this question. I'll look it up. Uh, next one, we've got we've got Boyd coming back at us one more time here, uh, and we're staying on the point guard thing. I think we're seeing a trend in these questions. What the hell is happening at small forward, and what are we doing about point guard? Which right. are totally fair questions. I'm really to ask. kind of surprised there wasn't really much about power forward because that almost seems more like a hole. I feel like it all we can almost look at it more like it's going to be filled in by small forwards. Mm, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's fair. Um. And I'm not going to, you know, okay, tangent. <laughs> like we're not used to that. Right. But it sounds tangent. <laughs> hey, I, that's better than some of our others. I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not quitting on Chris or Bender yet. I'm just no. not. And, you know, last year we, we had the conversation a number of times. If you had to pick one, who would you pick? And I would always say Bender. I'm, I'm starting to lean a little more towards Chris. But at the same time, I'm not ready to say we're done with either one of those guys right. and and maybe that's foolish but I don't think it is because at the end of the day they're both still incredibly young Chris was fat for 74 games last season and he does not appear to be fat this season he does not now we don't need to talk about his his training regimen and why he was in Vegas it's a whole different question <laughs> yeah but at the same time he he, he picked Booker up wanted his to buy dinner with his new contract well yeah there you go he didn't buy any of us dinner thanks Devin yeah. Um, but he he picked up his game towards the end of the year, and, and ultimately he's still a young kid who has excellent athleticism, who still has the potential to, to get there. And, and I'm starting to get a little less you know sold on the idea of Dragon Bender, but at the same time, I'm not hitting the panic button at the, at the, at the power forward position just yet. Now, don't right. get me wrong. I don't they couldn't. If they could get somebody established at the power forward position, that would be beautiful. But with with the guys that they have on this team now, and with Aiton presumably taking up a lot of the the post position, you look at Chris and Bender, and they're really kind of guys that play right in that type of system. They don't have to worry about being down low. They don't worry about too much about rebounding and whatnot. 
they're they're going to be able to do their thing, which is is more along the lines of those power forwards that presumably would right. thrive more starting out on the perimeter than having to worry about being down low. Right. I mean, and we saw it a little bit in summer league with Bender. I mean, he he didn't play the best, but like the second half of it, he actually started to kind of figure himself out and do what he needed to do. And if he limits himself, kind of, I'm going to make an analogy here. I'm going to kind of compare him to Alex Len. Alex Len tried to do a little too much. Why are you doing that again? Stop stop doing bad things. No, just wait. What if they both get hurt? Let's compare people to Alex Len. No, we don't want to do any of that. But go on. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll indulge you. Alex, his first couple seasons with the Suns, he tried to do too much. He wanted to try to be a, sh- a shooter, be a little bit more of an outside guy. But then when we said then they finally convinced him to settle down and just be like just be a rebounder and score around the basket that's your thing he did pretty decent he got himself a contract with the hawks he he i wouldn't have hated it if he came back as a backup but he, he did pretty decent he got a contract with the hawks but i, I don't he, think that's he started to figure out who he was you. and what his role you, was bender's role is defense and threes that's he's a three and d guy he plays really good. He can play really good defense at his position, really good team defense. And as the defensive system grows, I think he can become a really important cog in it. And he shoots the three pretty well. I think he was like 37, 38% this past year. He was, it was rather high. It was like abs- not absurdly high, but like when for all our memory of watching the Dragon ben- Dragon Bender experience and then you look at his three point percentage for the season and you're like that's way higher than I realized it was. Thirty six point six percent. Oh he's also thirty six point six percent? That's weird. <laughs> that is weird. Right? Who are we talking DeLon about? DeLon Wright. DeLon Wright was also thirty six point six percent last year. Maybe we should get DeLon Wright just just a lot of thirty six point six percent just to you know just to have that 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 uh, consistency there. But if anything, from, just numbers. so from the perspective of he's a player who works with the ball well, but doesn't need to have the ball in right. his hands. So because we've already got guys who are going to need that. So a guy who's on the perimeter can be a threat there to stretch the floor, to allow Aiton to work down low, to allow point guards to penetrate, to allow Booker to do Booker things, to allow Jackson to penetrate because that's kind of where he likes to operate as well. Mm-hmm. He's a guy who spreads that floor, but he also gives the height and he gives defense. He might he might learn a lot from Trevor Ariza, of just like, because he's like a a poor man's taller version of Trevor Ariza. <laughs> okay, but could grow into a player of that caliber. A tall version of a tall Trevor version Ariza. of Trevor Ariza. You know, and, and and just to finish off this tangent, my favorite Alex Lynn moment in Phoenix was when he was interviewed and and said. I can hit that 18-footer. Like, I, I can shoot the ball from out there. And everyone's just like, dude, statistically, no, you really can't. Based on the number of times the ball goes into the hoop when you shoot it from that area, no, you cannot do that. Please stop trying. So, anyway. Okay, so we got on the tangent before the second question here from Boyd. But we'll hop into that one now. He says, dudes, Ricky dudes. Rubio, what do we have to give up to get him. I think Aiton and Book thrive next to him. Not to mention Igor really helped him along with his shot last season. Seems to be a perfect fit. Ricky Rubio, Paul. I mean, I like him as a player, but I don't think we need to get him. I don't think he's would be the bet 
be very high on my list of targets. I think Utah really likes what they have in him, what he brings to the table um, next to Donovan Mitchell. So I don't see them wanting to move him. I know they resigned. I just they just resigned Dante Exum mm-hmm. to a pretty reasonable deal, but I kind of see him more as a combo guard. So he, I think he fits better as the backup to both Mitchell and Rubio, and kind of they can be like, um, you know, constantly have two of those three guys on the floor. So I don't, I don't see. I don't think it's the right move. I think there are other guys out there who could do. Um, who ha- are more readily available, who can approximate what Ricky Rubio would bring to the Suns. I wouldn't hate it, but I don't know if that's the move. Right. And and ultimately, I mean, you you, you kind of look at it. He was... You're talking about getting a starting player off of off of that team. Uh, I, I, I think he... I don't even know... Okay. Based on what we've seen from Brandon Nice since he's been with the Suns, okay, Ricky Rubio would probably be... For the point guard position, yeah, he'd be an upgrade. But also take into account Ricky Rubio is going into a contract year right now. You know, the Suns are going to have some cap room next year, and if, God forbid, Kevin Durant doesn't come to the Suns, then maybe that's somebody the Suns look at. Uh, who knows? But I, I I just, I don't see a move there. I just don't see, what are the Suns going to give up to get him, you know? I, uh, there's nothing on the Suns team that I really see the Jazz wanting to aggressively go after uh, to to try to make a move to get that player and to put Rubio on the Suns. Nor do I see the Suns really wanting to give up a lot of what they have on the roster as it is right now to get Ricky Rubio. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at his stats right now. Last season in Utah, he was 13 points, 5.3 assists. I mean, I know that actually that his assists were rather low for his history because I every season prior to that he was at over seven. So there's definitely something that could be had there but and it, it's just roll and whatnot and he's only shot 35.2 percent from three which isn't bad um but and but he only shot 40 41.8 percent from the field which isn't great right so i mean there, he leaves a, he leaves a lot to be desired right it's, i don't know if he take this is an analogy that um bill simmons uses is like it's the <sighs> table test like how many things do you put on the table versus what do you take off? Mm. And I don't think that mix is really like he's not he's a complementary piece. He's not a this is the this is the one piece away to being the next thing. He's like we've got the thing, now we need the pieces that fit around it. We and I don't know if that's what that is. Right. And and you know, I, I, I will say about Rubio, I, I think he would bring more of that playmaking ability, though, to the Suns that yes. we've been talking about. And I think he would be really good for Booker and Aiton in that regard. But again, I just logistically, it doesn't seem like something that is going to happen or has a, has a possibility of happening. I just don't see the pieces there between the two teams where either team is going to really be all that interested in making the move. And like you said, I don't really I mean, know what like Utah him. wants. Right, exactly. And they, it's, it's not like he's a guy that's expendable to the Jazz. Well, I mean, do they, does Utah need a small forward? I don't really know who their small forward is. I've got I've got it. I'll bring it up. Good. Let's just <laughs> let some airtime sit there. Well, they, they, Joe we'll Ingles. Let it burn. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right, Joe Ingles. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at what, it's like Rubio, Ingles, Rubio, Mitchell, Ingles, Favors, 
uh, Hayward. That's basically their starting lineup. Hey, did you say Hayward? Not Hayward. I, <laughs> not Hayward. Woo. Um, Woo. French guy. Go Bear. I don't know why I said Hayward. This is a Gordon Hayward situation. Um, but yeah, no. So I, I mean, I, I, I get the idea. I just, again, practically speaking, it doesn't seem like it's something that's going to going to happen. All right. Next, Dave King coming in hot once again, and this kind of puts a little bow on the last couple of questions because it goes into the whole point guard uh, situation. Dave says, is any solid and attainable point guard actually better than a healthy Brandon Knight? And I'll, I'll, I'll hop in first, Paul, because you'll clear deep in thought over there. No, I was just going through a quick look at the list of, of tradable. So you are in deep thought, deep research. Anyway, I, I again, I already said this. I've, I'm embracing the Brandon Knight idea now. I'm officially, I'm hopping on the Brandon Knight bandwagon. Brandon Knight's going to be an all-star this year. Okay, not so much, but... We're I'm gonna hot. be knighted. I'm. I'm. Ooh. <laughs> ooh. T-shirt. Um, I. I don't know how many t-shirts we'd. <laughs> one from Brandon Knight would buy it. Um, His mom would. Okay, two then. I think Brandon Knight would buy it too. I don't know why. Solid and attainable, better than a healthy Brandon Knight, and I think the healthy Brandon Knight aspect of it is is kind of where the kicker is. Because again, if if we get any semblance of the uh, the Milwaukee Brandon Knight, then that's that's a solid player, and I I just don't see anything out there that is is going to be better than that. That's a, that's solid and attainable, uh, and attainable within reason. I'm sure we could throw Devin Booker out there and trade options, but that's not happening. And ultimately, if you're going to make a move and you're going to get a player, I think at least that is going to bring to the team something more than Brandon Knight, you're probably looking at someone when you're talking about matching salaries and whatnot, you might have to try to push Brandon Knight on them. Right. And nobody's going to really want him because he's coming off an injury and he wasn't playing well before the injury. better point guard for a worse point guard. Well, <laughs> there would be other pieces in there too. Like we'd probably have to go draft picks. Right. So, you know, attainable, it could, it could happen, but how much you're willing to pay is the question. And Attainable for what I think would be reasonable for the Suns to do in terms of making moves, I I, I don't I don't see that happening because again you could throw some of those guys out there that are really untouchable or even guy like Jackson with a high ceiling, but I don't know that we're going to be able to make a move with any of those types of guys that is going to really improve the team and at the same time is also going to be within reason when we're talking about the cost. Right. Well, I I mean. I know there's rumors out there that um, Damian Lillard is potentially available. That wants to be wants to move on from Portland. That would be he's in Phoenix trying Jennifer. He is. Mm-hmm. So trying Jennifer thing on Twitter, right? No, no. That that's CJ McCollum. You got him mixed. No, up. but Damian Lillard said, "Is it, he?" He basically said, "Is anybody? Is, is there a good masseuse in Phoenix?" Right? And a bunch of people responded. Why don't you try Jennifer? No, That's you're what, getting two different things. No, I'm not. I feel like I'm not. I feel like I'm definitely not. Because <laughs> because CJ McCollum, oh, get ready. C- CJ McCollum oh. went on Chinese TV mm-hmm. and was talking like follow up on that thing with it, Kevin Durant and whatnot. And somebody in and like somebody posted, I think it was like Bleacher Report or whatever. Or somebody posted like a quote with like one of those pictures with a quote splashed over it of like McCollum talking about he's not he's disgusted by the idea of like super teams. And mm-hmm. she responded, why don't you try winning a playoff game? And he responded, I'm trying, Jennifer. I know. And then, I know what you're saying, Paul. 
Let me read you the tweet from Damian Lillard here, right? He says, best massage oh, therapist in Phoenix, where are you? And then multiple people responded saying, look for Jennifer. Maybe you should try Jennifer. Try Jennifer. That's what I'm saying. So people responded to Damian Lillard's tweet referencing CJ McCollum's tweet. Gotcha. Okay? We good now? Okay. Okay. So go on. Okay. So, I mean, he's potentially out there. I don't know. That would be that would be a that would be a league changing move to an extent. Mm-hmm. But what do you give up for that? It, I mean, Brandon Knight would probably have to be included from a salary standpoint. I wouldn't be Jackson would probably have to be included. Mm-hmm. And then I wouldn't be surprised if one of Bender or Chris would have to be included mm-hmm. and maybe a pick. That's mm-hmm. a lot. It's a lot to give up. But I mean, for Damian Lillard, it might be worth it because when you put you you put a situation of Damian Lillard and Booker on a team and Aiden up front, that becomes a very attractive team to other players mm-hmm. who may want to join. And Phoenix seems to be a bit of a more attractive locale destination than Portland for some reason. I mean, Portland's a pretty good, cool city that for whatever reason cannot attract free agents. But anyway, um, so he's probably like ceiling highest possible that could be, I wouldn't say a realistically attainable, but there's enough smoke there that it, I wouldn't say it's a non-possibility that he, Lillard could be moved and the Suns could be in on that. From a true realistic guys, I'm actually going to go with the guys who um, Dave is kind of championing. You got those two guys over on the Clippers. You got mm. Patrick Beverly and Milos Tidosage. Both of those guys would bring something to the Suns that the Suns clearly need. Very different things. Tia Dosich would bring that passing, that ball handling that you were talking about, Justin, and being able to incorporate. And I think he would do wonders in um, Igor's offense. So from that standpoint. But on the flip side, you've got Patrick Beverly, who brings the defense, brings some solid shooting. The, the problem, the interesting thing with, Bever- and can run an offense isn't good as a primary um, ball handler, but can run an offense and initiate it. The issue, the question with that situation is, if you go the Patrick Beverly route, you really are kind of um, steering into the skid of the Devin Booker is J- James Harden light. You're really putting a lot mm-hmm. more on Devin Booker to be that um, guy, all around guard. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Booker wants that. I don't know if that's the best move for the team. But you know, the other then again, the other side of it is T. Dosich isn't also not so great on defense. So having a backcourt of T. Dosich and Booker doesn't help that end of the floor for the Suns either, especially when there's concerns about Aiton's defense dare as well. You. How dare you? I'm just I'm saying there are concerns. I'm not saying I believe in them. I'm just saying they're there. No, and and you know that's that's a good point. And I, I frankly didn't even think about Teodosic. Um, I I could I could see that that happening. And if one of those two guys were going to go to the Suns, my my preference would be Teodosic. But and, and understanding those those potential you know pitfalls to that, uh, if if you're going to make a risk as a Suns between putting more of the ball handling and point guard type duties on Maybe Booker versus running a risk of, okay, we're going to have some defensive issues. I'd go for the latter because, well, let's just score 160 points every game instead. Um, 
and that's obviously hyperbole. But I, I you know, it, and Teodosic is older too, isn't he? He's old. I mean, technically, last year was his rookie year. Yeah, was, I know. But yeah, he's on the older end, so he's 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 a seasoned player. Yeah, but but I mean, if you're looking at where where there really could be a, a, an attainable move, it, it would seem to be perhaps there because you know they just drafted Shai Gilgis Alexander, who I I loved. Uh, that would have been great if the Suns could have got him. But I like Elliot Kobu too. Um, <laughs> but. Gets to looking at the second part of the question: Would bringing one of those guys in be better than a healthy Brandon Knight? It's, it brings something different to the table, but right. I don't know if it's necessarily better. Again, well, maybe I mean, maybe more of a maybe more of a lateral move, but at the same time, if if Knight was somehow involved in that, then right. you offload at least some salary because those guys are making less money than Knight. Right. I'm not yeah, I mean, the thing with Knight is in a vacuum, he's a better player, but in the system, would either one of those guys? May help maximize the potential of the system, right? Overnight, yeah. And I think you can make a pretty solid argument for that. And how about how about all the you know we go back to last year, the year before, all the timeline thumpers. Teodosic is thirty one. Yeah. So he's not he's not kind of older. He's well, old. Yeah. He's old he's for old, NBA. Yeah. You know, yeah, he's definitely a definitely a situation where there would be a short term fix to help kind of guide that system and develop it until they can get a more long-term option. But it could be having a 31-year-old run your offense who is mature, settled down, knows himself, knows his game is probably a lot better than throwing Elliot Kobo out there while he's still trying to figure it all out or Shaq Harrison. Sure. Um, what about Paul? I mean, you've been trumping Terry Rozier. I mean, I I would love to have Terry Rozier. I think I think he has a lot of um, potential to grow. I think he showed that in the playoffs. He's a gamer, and I I mean, he, I don't know if he's the greatest floor general, but I think that potential's there to um, to really do that. I don't know how much it would cost to pry him away from. Boston. And that's sure. really the big question there, and I mean they do they are in a minutes crunch and on that team between between the from point guard through power forward they have way too many guys at every one of those positions, and to balance that time with guys who want and deserve to play to balance particularly with Kyrie and Hayward coming back right now because you're looking at just at the point guard. You've got Kyrie, Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier. Terry, that means Terry Rozier, a guy who started basically the entire playoffs for the Celtics, is their third str- and played well. Right, is their third string point guard. He wants his opportunity. He want he's coming into a contract year. He wants to show he can, deserves to get paid. Mm-hmm. He may not be happy being the third string point guard. That could cause some issues. And then yeah, maybe they slide. He plays off ball next to Kyrie, or or Smart does some of that. But then you run into the situation of you got Hayward, Tatum, and and Brown, who all can kind of play the same two, three, four level two. And then you throw in Marcus Smart and whatnot. That's just a lot of guys with a lot of minutes who all think they deserve to play. And I just think the smart move for Ainge would be to move one or two of those guys who are kind of further down but do deserve the minutes for 
pieces for like future picks or pieces that are along with pieces that are more content to be like you know end of the bench guys right but you know ultimately it's just a matter of the only reason the Celtics would make any sort of trade like that I think is if there was actual turmoil there right you know yeah so it's otherwise there's there's it would be no, a deadline trade it's not happening yeah, this summer there's 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 no reason for them to do that because they're competing they're right they're and they're going to be even stronger next year in a weaker Eastern Conference than right. the year before right or than the last year so ultimately, it would have to come down to that. And, you know, when it comes to that type of turmoil, locker room issues, whatever the case might be, Brad Stevenson seems like he's the kind of guy that is able to keep people happy. I mean, right. he's done a phenomenal job since he went to Boston. Uh, and maybe it could go down that way. But you know, I'm more inclined to say that if I were them, because especially, okay, even if there is some turmoil there, you make a move to get rid of the turmoil, but what if one of those guys goes down? Then you're sitting there going, oh shit, I wish I still had so-and-so. Right. And, and I mean, when you're competing for a championship, that's a risk that's probably not really worth taking. Right. And you are looking at a situation, um, Kyrie Irving is going to be a free agent next year. Mm-hmm. And there's no guarantee he's going to want to come back to the Celtics. Right. I mean, they're, they're in pole position for it, but he may want to do something else. He mm-hmm. may want to... He may have had a destination in mind before he was traded from the Cavs of this is where I want to play. Mm-hmm. So, and there's a lot more cap space open next summer because that's when kind of all those deals from mm-hmm. that one summer kind of come off. A lot of them come off the books. A lot of them were three-year deals. So there's a lot more cap space around. So he could make a move. So the idea of, yeah, Rogier might be a little peeved, peeved this year. But to just to, at the very least keep him as insurance be, until you sign Kyrie and then you're like, okay, then we'll do a sign and trade with you and let you go somewhere and get paid and do your thing. Right. So I could see that move. But if it does kind of go south, I, I'm not, like I said, I'm not seeing anything happen before the, before the deadline or before the season starts. But it could be some, it'd be something I'll be paying attention to this season coming up into the trade deadline mm-hmm. as a potential target for. McDonough to make a move at the trade deadline. And hey, you know, maybe Brandon Knight has played himself into some value at that point. Right. Maybe he plays himself into the Suns fans loving and embracing him. Hey, it, it can happen. It could happen. Uh, he certainly seems to have a better attitude. I mean, based on what we're reading and hearing about. Well, he's also going to probably get to start. All right. Which, yeah. <laughs> which helps. Which, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, we'll, we'll hop into the last one and we'll probably breeze through this one pretty quickly. We're getting towards the end of our time here. And I really like this question. I think this is a really cool question. And it's from uh, um, at Alexander Carsey on Twitter. Will the Cardinals or Suns have a better winning percentage this year? And how confident are you in your answer? Paul, <laughs> let's hear it. And, and for the record, I, I will go ahead. Actually, I'll, I won't I won't give the mathematical numbers mathematical because you're numbers. the CPA, not me. I am the CPA, but I'm not, I'm not the gambler. Well, neither are, you, neither are you. Neither am I. Wait, it's what legal you, now. What are you talking about? <laughs> not in Arizona. And, and not yet. word on the street is if it ever becomes legal in Arizona, it will be probably the last state to do it or one of the last states. Thanks a lot, Arizona. It says not from me, from my, my friend. Go on. Change the subject. Go. Anyways. Yeah, it, it's a very interesting question. Yeah, because, I mean, you're looking at two teams that are still in the – like the Cardinals are just kind of starting a rebuild – with uh, having with Carson Palmer having retired and whatnot, 
but it's not a full rebuild because they've still got a lot of guys. It's just, it's just the most crucial position. They don't really know what they've got going on, and they've got a new coach too, so you really don't know what you're what you've got going on there. So, I mean, I don't. And the NFC West is a pretty strong division. I mean, you still got the Seattle who hasn't completely collapsed yet, or maybe they will. You know, they've lost some players this year. They had. I don't know if it's like the greatest locker room right now. Mm-hmm. So they may fall off. But the Rams are coming are ascending. They've had they had a really good season. They had a really strong season season last year. Um Goff Goff's their quarterback, right? <laughs> yes. Um, I haven't started doing my fantasy football research yet and I'm better hurry up to your draft Saturday. I know. <laughs> that means that's it's not happening. Yeah, me either. <laughs> um He's a, he's he's the quarterback, and they made some like very interesting signings this year because they're like we want to compete this year, so they're going to be good. Not going to mention Todd Gurley right there, just golf. He's good too. <laughs> wow, go on. <laughs> just a little, just a little. I mean, then you um, San Francisco's on the upswing. I mean, they had when they traded for uh, Jimmy G, he had a nice end to the season. Mm-hmm. So if you see that coming in this next season and having a full season of that that would be um a very good season for the, for, for the 49ers cuz i really want to say season more mhm mm-hmm. i like that word it's a good one <laughs> and then you've got the cardinals did i miss a team no okay just the cardinals okay, i'm used to the nba with five teams in a division <laughs> I, I just make sure i wasn't missing one um, and then, so then you got the Cardinals. So there's a strong possibility they're going to be the worst team in that division. It doesn't mean they're going to be bad, but they could be the worst team in the division, which will probably be like slightly below 500. So I, I'm pegging them at about seven wins. So you think the last place team in the NFC West is going to have seven wins? It's possible, dude. There was a, there was a season a couple years ago where I think it was I'm was leaving NFC West where like it was possible the season was going to end where all four teams were eight and eight. <laughs> Right, but you didn't have a team coming off a year where they went eleven and five like the Rams did, right. and improved. Right. So I, I I'm hard you pressed th- to see that. So what do you think they're going to be at? I don't think seven to nine is that far off. I just don't think it's going to. They're going to be the last place in that division. Who do you think is going to be the last place? I think the Forty ers are still going to be the last place team. Okay, um, I can see that. But so what's your answer? You didn't even answer the question. Oh. <laughs> I apologize because I said brief, and Paul just decided he'd go into the NFL podcast that we apparently are going to start. I don't know. <laughs> that one's going to be way even further off the reservation in, in understanding. And All right, Paul, come on. About. But anyway, so with the Suns, I mean, the book on them is about high twenties. I think that's what that's what Vegas has a map. The non-believers. I, the non-believers. I'm thinking somewhere in the low to mid thirties would be a. I would be happy with a low to mid 30s season. So I'm kind of thinking 33, 34 wins. So that kind of leaves me, because of the difference in games, I think that leaves me with the Cardinals having a slightly better season. It is. It does. Because, okay, so if, if we're talking, if you're, if you're talking 7 and 9, that means that the Suns would have to win 36 games to, right. to exceed that 7 and 9. Um, I, 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 the Cardinals. Lost Carson Palmer, sure. Yeah. Sam Bradford is not a bad quarterback if he stays healthy. Okay. If Sam Bradford stays yeah. healthy, then I think this the Cardinals. I actually think they'll finish better than seven and nine because they're also getting David Johnson back, who didn't play right. at all last year. Well, I take it back. He played what two snaps and broke his wrist. 
Um, I think the Suns won't get to a level of seven and nine. Right. So let's work. We'll work with the seven and nine because I I, I also can't assume that Sam Bradford is going to stay healthy because he never does. And I I'm not a believer in Josh Rosen. I'm sorry. I'm just not. And maybe I'll be wrong, but. If the Suns have to win 36 games to beat the 7-9 winning percentage, I say they don't. But, ready? On the record, Suns will win, ready? 35 games next year. I'm cool with that. I'll be very happy about that. We're going to wrap it up on that note on the 35-win Suns next year. Or maybe, you know, 60. Whatever. Either way. So, as always, we appreciate everybody out there listening. Um, You can find... All of us, including the pod on Twitter, I'm at so says Jay and Paul. At Dervish of World. Were you not paying attention right there? Like you looked up <laughs> like you were in class and you got called on and I was scrolling through a page, kinda not fully paying attention, and then you stopped and I was like, Oh shit, where are we? And and the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. For all you guys that sent in questions, we very much appreciate it. They were great questions. Uh added obviously a lot to this pod because we ran along we ran a little long here did we oh a little bit not too bad but it's fine uh like i said at the beginning of the episode if you listen on itunes hop on rate review and we may read your review we probably will because you know what it's not like we're getting like hundreds of them a week we'll read your review in the next episode if you rate and review whether it's good or bad but five stars is always nice Feel free to leave more questions in the comments. Yeah, absolutely. We'll absolutely. be more than happy to answer them on, on the next episode. Absolutely. Or future ones. Absolutely. So, as always, until next time, depending on when you're listening, thank you for listening and have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Just want to